All right, welcome back to My Brothers Deeper, a podcast about two brothers, one in England, one in Chicago, Pastor, one's a writer, and that's a dog, by the way. Okay, I was like, I don't think that's here. That's that's Ricky. That's Sarah's dog. Ricky? Um, yeah. Yeah, I told Oh, I didn't tell you that. No. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a girl dog. Named Ricky with an I, I, I E instead of a Y. That's interesting. Not just an I, but an I E. Yeah. So this this show's called My Brother's Deeper, otherwise known as the Rupus and Percy Show. We're still gonna <laughs> stick with that. So like gonna it. stick with it. Who's yeah. who, by the way? We are uh, you're Percy and I'm Rufus. Really? Okay. I'll I'll go. We that. we pick well we picked these names two episodes ago. Did we? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I know. We talk well, we talk about it a lot, so a lot can be forgotten. It's okay. <laughs> well no, I remember us discussing it. I don't remember this uh picking, but maybe maybe well I know, no, you said that you really like Rufus, so I think by default I got Percy. Yeah. I mean yeah. I think Rufus is a cool name. I was at, this was the thing I was thinking about. So this show we were gonna do a thing called What We've Learned So Far. Yeah, because we talked about our mom, we talked about our dad, we talked about growing up really young in Louisiana, we talked about what we remembered, you know, from that era era of our lives. And but one of the things I was thinking about was, and you had mentioned this about what we'd learned from other people outside of our immediate family too. Yeah. And I was thinking about the Rufus and Percy names because they're so unique. Yeah. Right. Because I was Old making the joke of. I was making the joke of like, what happened with the name giving in our family? It went from really cool stuff to like, really like, eh, Ricky, Jason, Josh. Before that was per- really strong, like just Rufus and Percy are really strong out Lester. there. Names. Lester. Yeah. So yeah, so that's what I was thinking of. Remember we had this aunt that we, I guess she was like a great aunt. She was Luisa's sister and we called her Noonie. Oh, totally. Yeah, Eunice. Aunt, yeah, her name was Eunice, but we called everyone called her Aunt Noonie. Aunt Noonie, yeah. <laughs> That's a crazy name too. It is a crazy name, and she and the crazy thing is, is that like what you would imagine a Noonie to look like is what yes. she looked like. Yeah, and she was married to. The, so this was one of the things I was thinking about was the sort of how things crossed in between families in that small town was because she was married to a guy named Albert. Who had a brother named Francis who was married to Percy's sister. Correct. That's right. Marie, who we called Maury. Maury. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a crazy name as well. Yeah. 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 It's a weird sort of like crisscrossing of families that you see in small towns in the South like that, you know? Yeah, that's right. So so I've always tried to think through that. So like I have no idea like how you – classify that from a genealogical standpoint but it's like our grandmother's sister was married to a guy whose brother was married to our grandfather's sister yeah so like what that does from a cousin standpoint i have no clue i know that's a yeah that's like a a double a double barrel cousin or something yeah i don't know it is weird (laughs) that's a weird family though you remember we used to go like christmas eve we used to go out to goodwill Christmas night. It was a Christmas night. Yeah, and that was one of my favorite things because we yeah. didn't get to see that side of the family very often. 
Yeah. You know? Even though they weren't like terribly far away, but we didn't get to see them because they had like their own world, like almost like it was on large property, and you know there were lots of kids that uh, Uncle Francis and and Marie had. Who then had, you know, their own kids, and I mean, it was just like this huge family tree section of our family tree. But it was all—I will say this: I'd be interested to get your take on this. I always felt like, in some sense, my idea of family, when we talk about what we've learned, I think I think was really molded a lot from that experience because I always remember, no matter how long it'd been since we'd seen them. It was like it would pick up immediately, and they yeah. were fully like loving and engaged and interested, and it was like you didn't have to reacquaint yourself with them. You were family, right, as soon as you walked in the door. I mean we yeah. literally were, but a, like you felt it. There's a, There was a certain warm pride to that mm-hmm. family that when you juxtapose it against mom's side of the family – was nowhere near that. Their family, mom's family, is a bit cold. Yeah, you're right. That 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 family was very, very warm and welcoming. When we would go out there with dad, sometimes we would go out there without him. But I remember going out there with dad, and he was kind of the life of the party. Like they all loved him. That they, they were so all different. Yeah, because he but he was a like he would go in guns blazing with jokes, you know, and they would love it. <laughs> He was on. Yeah. 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 And he he got something out of it too. Like he, we always said that he hated being called Ricky, Ricky, but that, that side of the family went full in on the Ricky. That's all they knew. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and he loved it. He did. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think he, he kind of, he was holding court, you know, like he, he, he was in some sense the center of attention because part of it was the pride of being different than them because I think like, like they were, you know, kind of more of a farmers and very, very blue collar, you know, probably grew and ate, you know, 75% of their food from their own land, you know, kind of a thing. And here he is walking in, you know, from the quote unquote big city of Dallas with his ponytail and, you know, turtleneck and (laughs) tweed jacket and that sort of thing. Kind of like that picture you posted on our Instagram account. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that was very much of a um, – I think it served two purposes from him. Like one, I think he was able to kind of be the life of the party, but in the same sense also feel that love that we also felt. Because think about for him, he had been away probably even longer than we had and lived completely different life, uh, a different life, and yet they treated him the exact same way. Like it's Ricky. It's, 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 our, it's our family, and I don't care who you are. That's got to make you just feel great. I always uh, remember this story he used to tell. We didn't tell this. I should have told this in the in the first two parts. This is kind of why we do these addendums, because there's like little things that slip through the cracks that you don't mention. But they should be mentioned because it's funny. Do you do you remember the story about how he used to have a motorcycle? Like we were we, we were really little, I think. Well, I remember the accident that he got. This is what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> okay. This is what, nice. I don't. Re- I don't remember a funny part of that though. Oh, it's, it's hilarious. Um, okay. He he. So he stopped at a light on the bike, and somebody rear ends him, and he like leaps on back onto the back on the hood of the car, like it forces him to like the impact. 
forces him it backwards him on, off the onto the like windshield of this car, and he hurts his neck. And he has like I don't know what what the diagnosis was, but he had one of those neck braces on. And he goes to like a he goes to like a family reunion out in Goodwill. Okay. During the summer, and he he's under a Shemana tree. Shamana Hall State. Park. I don't know if it's there. It could be. Yeah, that's where all of them were when we were, were kids. Yeah. yeah. And he's standing under a tree, and a limb falls and hits him in the head. What? You're joking. <laughs> True story. That's what he told me. Like he's just standing there, a limb falls on his head. On his head after he hurt. He his has neck a major a neck injury. Yeah. Okay, so. Two things. One, I don't really remember that story. But two, why are you? Why is that so funny to it's you? It's hilarious. Why? <laughs> because he's just like, I don't know. That's like something out of like a Buster Keaton movie. You know, it's just like, oh, you had this really bad accident and you have it's a neck brace, worse. and then just like a, a random limb falls on your head. It's like it's like the universe is conspiring yeah. against them. <laughs> right. That's funny. And I so wondered, when he would tell when he would tell that story, did he tell it like in a funny way? Yes. Okay. He totally thought it was. Gotcha. That's where I. That's why I thought it was funny. Okay. Because he I don't thought it was that. funny. <laughs> that's really funny. I do. I do remember like that being a big deal though. Like I don't know how old we were, but I remember. I, I'm pretty sure I remember seeing him like in that neck brace. Now maybe I've seen yeah. pictures and they've been implanted in my mind, but well, I do. You were, remember You'd have been older. Maybe okay. you do remember it. I kind of do remember the neck brace as well. I remember he had this Chevy Nova. You remember that? He had a what? Chevy Nova. Remember that Chevy Nova he had? Not really. No. no. Yeah. Is that the one? Is that the one that? Uh, maybe we could tell this funny story. Is that the one where, um, whenever after mom and dad divorced, and we would go spend weekends with him. He would drive drive us back. And do you remember this? I was sitting in the front of the car, and you were in the back. And I seem to remember it was like a bench seat, so maybe it was a Nova. And um, and I said something to Dad. I was like, Dad – no, you said something to Dad. You were like, Dad, Jason just said a bad word. Do you remember this story? Mm-mm, Jason no. just said a bad word, and you know, Dad's driving, and he's like, okay, well, what did he say? He just said, but – and dad's like, well, you know, Josh, I, maybe he shouldn't have been saying that, but it's not necessarily a bad word necessarily. And you go, yeah, but shit is. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just cracking. Uh, like you knew he was like, I need to not laugh at this, but he was cracking up. <laughs> so I think that's that's a good it's a good transition into like what I learned from him. I think I learned a lot about telling jokes and his humor. Mm. You know, I think I kind of through osmosis, maybe just kind of like gleamed on to like how he would make people laugh. You know, I think I have a much, yeah. I have a much drier sense of humor than him. His was more. Um, yeah. He was more, more boisterous. For yeah. Sure. More animated. But yeah, definitely. Like, so, so would that, be, would that be like – okay, so like I don't know how you want to kind of do this, but it's like if we're, we're talking about like how we learn things or who we learn – who we learn from and what we learn. Like do you want to go through different people in our family and kind of like go, hey, I learned this, I learned that, and kind of like try to pick the top thing or the top two things? Is that what you want to do? Yeah, we can do that. Uh, so when you uh, think about dad, 
like is is that number one for you kind of sense of humor how to tell stories yeah i think so i had a hard time pinpointing stuff i mean throughout this whole process of talking about him i i kept saying that it was kind of hard to kind of yeah. uh to pull things out because it's been so long yeah um, and we yeah. you know and it was cut short and all that we've gone through that but i think the humor was a big thing because he was from what i remember he was never um not able to sort of make light of a situation which was which is good to me like there's always a i've noticed about as i've gotten older that you know during stressful times or weird vibes like you walk into a room and it's like a weird thing like the best thing the best remedy is to just kind of make light of a situation try to make people laugh or Mm -hmm. um show and i think humility has a lot to do with that like going in and sort of, I don't know if dad was all that humble. Maybe he was. Um, but I feel like somehow I've learned that there is an, there is an angle of laughter in everything yeah. or um, a way to lighten yeah. the, the room a bit. You know, it's, it's, I'm glad you said that. Cause I think that's one of the things that I've actually noticed about you. Like as we've spent more time, together over the last, you know, several years or so, and particularly being within, you know, our unique family dynamic of Candace and the, the kids and I, um, like invariably, like when you're around a family, you, there are times where like, oh, you know, a kid's talking back or there's an awkward moment. And I've noticed like you've done it, you do a good job of diffusing those situations and kind of playing um, a bit of a, a peacemaker you know, and being able to do it through levity and humor. So that's yeah. neat that, that you connect that to dad. Cause I would say, yeah, I think you're spot on. He was, he was pretty good at that. I also, you say that I also see that in one of your kids. I see that in Cohen. Yeah. Like I, I see that he has that ability to do that too. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like that, it could be a thing passed down from yeah. his grandfather, you know? Yeah, no, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I would think one of the things that rises to the top for me in regards to things I learned from dad um, would be he wasn't afraid to show affection towards you and I. So like particularly being raised in a culture that we were raised where, you know, men were men and women were women kind of and they had their roles. Um, and we, we we grew up in a very, you know. I don't know. I guess in some ways it was very masculine culture because, you know, you went hunting and you rode four wheelers and you shot guns and all this sort of stuff. Um, like he was not afraid to hug and kiss and just be affectionate with his two boys. And I've always, always appreciated that. And that's been something that I've tried to be intentional with my own kids as well, um, because that's one of those positive things that he that he modeled for us. Yeah, he was physically affectionate. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I think mom. I think mom was too. Definitely, I agree. Yes, we were lucky in that way to have two parents that uh, weren't afraid to show that. I think that is a reaction to their own upbringing as well, because I know, you know we know that mom was in a family that was. She didn't hear I love you a lot or 
Yeah. Uh, or get hugged or all that. So, and I'm not sure what dad's situation was. I, I don't, I don't know. I think he probably did feel, he probably got a little bit more physical affection since being that he was sick and all that. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. I mean, I think it's interesting that if, if both of those react, if both of their approaches to affection with their kids was a reaction of their own upbringing, what would be interesting, and this is probably at some point, you know, a good segue to mom's side of the family, her side of the family never learned to adapt. I would say, like our grandfather, Percy, like my memories of him as being very affectionate with us. You know, like I remember sitting on the couch watching Atlanta Braves baseball games, just like with my head on his shoulder, you know, and him hugging us and that sort of thing. Like he was super affectionate with us. Yeah, that was that was back in the day when T, um, TV, all you had was TBS. So if you don't know this, if you're from the South, you do know this because I've run into other people who yeah. know this stuff. And TBS was there. Were, everybody in the South was a Braves fan because of TBS. Totally. Because the Braves played on TBS and, you know. You saw was, every game. There was WGN, too. So there are a lot of Cubs fans everywhere, too. Yeah. yeah. But the Braves were like a wholly Southern, oh, like from, from Louisiana to Florida. Totally. All those states in there were Braves fans. And that was a big part of hanging out with Popo. Mm-hmm. Percy was 1980s. They were terrible, too, dude. But you can name every position. Dude, they were legit, man, from the standpoint of like having good players but not having a good team. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could those, probably name ha- more than half their starting lineup. Definitely. And that, and this was in the 80s when a handful of teams, maybe more than a handful of teams, their away jerseys were those blue Yeah. jerseys. Yeah. That was a good time in the MLB. Those were legit, man. Yeah. I remember when you and I played baseball and we were on John's jeans. <laughs> Do you remember that team, baby? Yeah, I, I I described these things to people about we we talked about that, right? Because you had to have like a sponsor. Yeah. We went through the sponsors. Yeah. 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 But I remember our uniforms for that sponsored team was kind of similar to those some of those old brave uniforms. Yeah, they're blue, yeah. Blue with white pinstripes. I think that was the first time that we got pants, like baseball pants, because you like you see some yeah. of those photos. You had the jersey, but you're just wearing jeans. Exactly. <laughs> Playing baseball with jeans on. Jeans and a leather belt, baby. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think John's jeans was the first time that we had like the full uni. It, yeah, where you got yeah. your uh, stirrups or your leggings. Yeah. And uh, you had to have – I remember we had to have like a certain color cleat. As well, you know, for your spikes. And uh, yeah, it was like it, it was like we definitely went up a level for sure in regards to competition. And then it went down a level with Woodman of the World because well, that was like ugly the, green the color, and yellow. The, the color scheme went down, but you yeah. still had the same you still had the same type of uniform. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the, the – to this day, I don't even like green and yellow together. I don't either. But that yeah. was a good. That was a good team, though. It was definitely, definitely, probably, it may have been our best team. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But talking, we were talking about affection and all that because yeah. uh, 
Yeah, but I think you're right about Percy being affectionate. So, you know, maybe Dad had more of a affectionate upbringing than Mom. I think so. But the thing that, talking about Mom, that I, I feel like that I've learned the most from her, and it's probably not because she's given me lessons on it. <laughs> not consciously. Okay. But the thing that I've learned most about myself is my mental makeup and how to sort of diagnose certain things and um, work on them. I don't know if mom is doing the same thing, but I, over the years, as I've gotten older, I have talked to her a lot about it, about okay. um, depression and negativity yeah. and stuff like that. Like recently, I talked to her about some things because she was feeling down. You know, or just reacting to a certain way. Um, but I feel like I could thank her for that, you know, indirectly. And w- just because she was someone who was able to listen to you as you was processing out loud? Or because in some way she modeled it? Like what What did what, – what do you mean by that? I think so, yeah. I think more, more so trying to figure out my own psychology. Mm-hmm. You always like there's the Freudian mm-hmm. thing of like you start with your mother, right? You know, because you know she's the one that you're in her womb and you come out, and she's the one that uh, basically you're closest to as a child, right. literally, emotionally. Yeah, so you start there and you figure out, you try to figure out, well, why am I this way? Did my mom breastfeed me too long? <laughs> That wasn't that wasn't an issue. I don't even know. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I don't even know if I was breastfed. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm I really not that interested in knowing I, either. <laughs> I, I'm not sort of like a, in some level I am, but I think that it's just a met, you know, I don't know, metaphorical, right, plane. But I think yeah, I started there and I started to realize that mom was depressed her whole life and never really know how she never really developed. The tools. Maybe she did at some point. I know that she has gone through therapy. She did do. She did tackle the eating disorder. Yep. At times in her life. Yeah. She still struggles with it. Yeah. But yeah. I think that. I think that was like very eye-opening to me in dealing with my own mental issues. You know. So I think that's what something I've learned from. I think it was pretty brave of her to like do. Remember when we were in Maine and it was right after. There was a period there, right, where we where we knew that it was over the second marriage, mm-hmm. or maybe it was right before. But mom was part of Weight Watchers. Yeah, yeah, I think she and she was doing like going yeah. on these long long walks. I would go with her. Okay. On some of these long walks, and she lost like a hundred pounds in a year. Yeah, it was a do lot. Do you remember that? I did. Yeah, and I felt like yeah, though no, that's that was she was doing a lot of work on herself there. Yeah, you know that's no, something to be proud of. Oh, there's no question. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, somewhat connected to that, um, you know, in order to do that, you've got to have a real sense of perseverance about you, you know, because that's a long journey, and just even as you said, like. Dealing with her issues in regards to depression, negativity, food also, it's a long haul, right? Like she's been in a long battle with that, but she continues to do it. So I think for me, when I think about, you know, top lessons that I've learned from mom, I I would say 
it's this idea of being unwaver unwaving in your commitment to something. So specifically, like mom, no matter how hard it got, no matter if we're moving across country, no matter if she didn't have money to 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 pay the bills, whatever the case, she did what she had to do in order to provide and take care of you and I. Like she put herself in a position, whether it was working at a, you know, literally stinking paper mill, whether it was going back to school, which was, you know, we've talked about this, was not her strong suit whatsoever, to put herself in a position to get a somewhat decent job. I mean, like she did what it took to take care of us. And, and like that's something that I think, I think of a lot, just perseverance, commitment, um, you know, endurance. Um, I just got, I mean, it's just tons and tons of respect because of that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think she, she did what she had to do. And, and there's a bit of survival there, you know, like you totally, you, you can learn a lot from a person and how they survive. And yeah. She did a good job and she raised us. I feel like when I come in contact with people, we talked talked about this briefly about just manners that were taught to us and about yeah. yes sir, no sir, please, thank you. Totally. All these little things, all these little things that you don't think are that big. Mm-hmm. When I I when I moved to LA, I realized like that was a place where manners go to die. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Completely. They're just not go, they're not present at all. You go there and no one says thank you or please or or Excuse yes or me. no sir, which you know yes or no sir is an antiquated thing, but it's yeah. still a sign of respect for me anyway, yeah. especially for like an elder, someone that that's my elder. Yeah. Which is you know at this point it's like you got to be like sixty or eighty. It's, you know? that, that it's decreasing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every day that sucks. <laughs> like I think about your kids all the time, and I'm like. Your Dude, oldest is your eldest is eighteen. He's turning nineteen right? this week. Yeah, this jacked up. That's messed Isn't up, it? man. That's yeah, so I mean, weird. I was I was talking actually with Cohen this morning about Jonah's birthday, and then he he throws out, he's like, "Yeah, think about this, Dad. Just in a year, he's going to be twenty. I'm yeah. like, why are you doing that? Yeah, come on, bro. Twenty years. <laughs> I still can't fathom. Sometimes I just look at, I think about you, and I still don't. I still can't wrap my head around that you have four four kids and that they're that old. And I'm just like, I don't feel that old. I don't feel old, man. I feel I, good. I I'm feel really way. good. I'm the same I'm way. A, I'm the same way until I go out and, you know, try to run and then feel completely sore and got a, yeah. a back. And, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan of this. But, yeah, man. <laughs> so manners like that's something Going back mom to that. definitely passed on. Yeah. Going back to that, yeah, living in L.A. Uh, really, really brought me back to uh, that kind of lessons in life and those those things that were inculcated to me as a kid by her. I really sort of it, living in L.A. brought me back to like being that kind of a person because I didn't want to be a person who forgot those manners or where they they didn't I didn't want them to die in me. And I yeah. think that I just doubled down on it and. Um, I appreciate that from mom because it was 
it, do you feel like people picked up on that? Like were, were people able to identify that and go, oh, wow, that's different? Like I'm assuming yeah. since it wasn't practiced by other people. I don't know. I think they ignore stuff like that. They're just like, oh, that guy's from somewhere that's not L.A. <laughs> <laughs> OK. All right. Yeah. Because yeah, I don't enough. know if it's a, is it that prevalent? Because a lot there's a lot of people in L.A. from New England. The New England area because the weather's so terrible and they come out to L.A. and it's like paradise and they take to it like a duck to water. Okay. But I don't know if they really practice that type of manners in that area either. No, I don't think so because when we moved to Maine, like that definitely was somewhat foreign as we were talking to people and how we would not just with the accent but just even even those kind of ev- what we thought were everyday common manners. Um Definitely were were looked at a little bit strangely. Yeah, but being in the Midwest, I think they appreciate it. Oh yeah, there's absolutely, there's no question. There's a, there's a definite difference there. Yeah, yeah, no, I can see that for sure. I mean, it's funny too, like when you're talking about, you know, mom passing on the manners thing. I I would also say for me, um, one of the things that she also did, and I know we've mentioned this before, is is you know. Whatever whatever sort of religious framework she had, she wanted to try to pass something on to us as well. And so for me, when she attempted to, you know, have us memorize the Lord's Prayer or to memorize books of the Bible, like that's that took root with me. And so I'm very thankful for her, like her whatever her motivations were in regards to like you know, trying to control us or trying to make us good kids or whatever. Um, that definitely took root in me. So that discipline, um, you know, was, was very important, but, you know, I wanted to go back to what you said earlier about, you know, her, her working on herself and, and that being connected with, with endurance. I don't know if I've ever thought about this before, but like, it is pretty remarkable that for somebody who probably struggled with lots of self-esteem issues and depression, it'd be very easy for you to stay in that state. And for her to not stay in that state and to continue to move forward and continue to say, I'm going to be here for my kids and I'm going to do what it takes, like even makes our childhood, I think, more remarkable in regards to being raised primarily by her. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I think that it's an interesting story, and that's why we wanted to tell it in mm-hmm. the first place. Is Her story is very interesting. I've often thought about writing a book about it, but like for, for her to be born in Peru, which is odd. Yeah. An odd thing. Not for then, people who live there, though. No. Not for Peruvians, but for <laughs> yeah, lily white people from right. New Jersey to be born there and then be to be raised in New Jersey and then go into the army and meet a guy and have a kid really quickly and then move to Louisiana where where we talked about this where that was a huge culture shock to her yeah and then stay there and make a home and yeah. that is her home today. Totally. It's a remarkable story and a remarkable story of survival and yeah. and doing doing the best that she could. It is it is pretty amazing. And I think she should be she should be proud of that, you know? 
Yeah. I don't know if she is all the time. You know, I think she gets caught up in minutia. Well, you, you know, we probably should do a better job of of reminding her of that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We should. It's you know when when we talk about that, we talk about her story, um, in the in our dad's story as well. You, you do think about the other people connected, the other members of her family and and or members of our family. Like I don't. What would you say? Because we've not talked a lot about mom's side of the family, other than you know maybe being kind of cold. Would you say, and you can pick any member of it, but would you say there's something you've learned from that side of the family? Definitely, definitely from from Aunt Sharon. Unload it. What is it? It's all weird stuff, but (laughs) it's all weird because she she. So this is our mom's sister. Yeah, later in life she sort of she became an acupuncturist and was into yeah. homeopathy, and yep. still is. Like she still makes like like yeah, things from business, scratch. Doesn't she? I don't know. I think Maybe. she's got a business from it or something. I mean, she tried to start an an acupuncturist thing and it didn't take off. But anyway, she said a few things, two things that I've always remembered. She told mom these things, and then mom told me. But one of them was super huge, and I passed it on, and it's helped. Millions of people. Wow. Maybe not. I can't um, wait to be counted among those. Maybe not millions. <laughs> but it's never take anything personally. Hmm. Really simple, but very hard to practice in life to not take anything personal. So maybe maybe a different way of saying that is um, try not to be offended by things people say and do. I think what what she was saying was like, and I completely agree with with her, is that when you are in some sort of conversation with someone or a relationship with someone and they say something to you and you react to it like, oh, wow, it's not your responsibility to take on what other people are saying to you because the, the person that's saying that to you is going through their own things. Yeah. And. That's everything, everything like you're reacting to them is that you're taking, you're empathizing with them and that, and you're taking it on yourself. So like if they say something to you that you, you regard as mean or unwarranted, um, there is a, there's a way to react to it as like, oh, that's not about me. That's about them. They're the ones saying it. So it's not personal. I mean, I, Maybe just to be a little bit of a, a devil's advocate, so please don't take this personally. Please, please, because <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm the one that's been the devil's advocate throughout this whole thing. Because <laughs> no. I mentioned to you that I feel like I've been hard on both of our parents during this yeah. whole process. Uh, so yeah, you you please be hard. Okay, no, on well, I guess I, I well, not so much being hard on her. Maybe it's more pushing back on the concept a little bit, like. Do you think it has to be either or like can it be both and in the regards to if someone someone is angry at me, calls me a name because of what they feel like maybe I've done towards them, whether whether it's legit or not. But, you know, their their perception is reality in that moment and they they come at me or come at you, let's say, and and are just like you're this and you're that and I can't stand this like in that moment. Can't it be both? Can't it be like, okay, obviously they're reacting 
in regards to something going on in their life. But can I also take it personally, maybe not offended by it, but I could take it personally and go, well, that's directed at me because I've done something, w- whether it's, it's, it's directly caused or they've, it's misunderstood. I'm involved in the situation. And that in and of itself is something that is personal, you know? So, so it's like, if you, it, let's say you and I get like upset at each other and you're just like, dude, I don't like this and I don't like that. And you're a jerk. Well, obviously I can choose how to respond to that. And I can choose to go, okay, there's probably something going on with you as well that's causing you to stir up in that way. But have I done something that's jerky? Like, is that, isn't that an opportunity to reflect on it? And that in and of itself is taking it personally. Yeah, I, I think, that, yeah, I guess you're just defining what personally is. Uh, but I think, I think there's a lesson in what Aunt Sharon's saying is that, you know, there's a way that you don't have to, because I think, a lot of times what starts with with mental issues is that you are you get down on yourself. Yeah. You're, you're too yeah. hard on yourself. Sure. So there's a way there's a mental practice there of like, OK, I don't have to take everything so personally. So I think that's what she was saying. Yeah, I, I think I mean, that's I agree where the... what you're, I agree. There is a, a what you're basically saying is like you do have to take ownership of stuff. I think you do. And I think, yeah. And I think that's maybe for me, again, it's probably semantics, but that's for me where I would probably use the language of being offended or offense. It's like, I don't have to be offended by what you say because I may not believe it and I don't think it's grounded in reality, but I can still take it personally and go, okay, well, maybe there's something I can learn from that kind of a deal. And I guess part of where I'm going with this is like, you know, when I think of our aunt, I think of somebody who like she maybe this this might sound critical. She says all the right things. I don't know if she practices all the right things. You I don't know. know any, I don't know anybody that does that. Fair. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But it seems like there might be a little bit of hypocrisy in, in regards to how she treats her own family. I'm, I really like the reversal of roles that we're doing right now. <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm just – I don't know. It's brought up, and I'm just thinking – the irony is is that you probably know her better than I do. You've spent more time with her than I have for sure. So this is a lot of perception you, on my part. I think, you're, I think you're definitely right. I think mom over the years has had her own um, issues with Sharon. Yeah. And you're, I think that's probably one of the issues. I think that's an issue mom has with a lot of people is that they say thing, say a lot of things and – don't necessarily practice them. Like you've had those issues with her where she's brought oh, that up no with doubt. you. Absolutely. Yeah. So and probably will continue into the future. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause that, good. that, uh, that deals with the expectations. Good times. Good times. Yeah. Many to be had. Second thing for me Sharon, this is a little bit more out there. Okay. Here we go. For financial energy. What? Keep the, for financial energy. Keep the toilet lid down. <laughs> I think you literally just made that up on the spot. Are you I, serious? I, she I said promise, that. I promise you I am not that creative. Define for me financial energy. I don't know. Um, I've <laughs> I've struggled with the definition for a long time. So she didn't I, give you any sort of insight. She just I said, don't think you're supposed to because I think it's supposed to be enigmatic and ethereal. 
Like it's just like okay. So that what is financial po- energy? It is, she's got to be saying it's positive, like so to yeah, prosper so financially. The, right, keep okay. your toilet lid down. Keep and there down. is something. There's something to it. What is what is that something? I can't explain it. <laughs> have you experienced it? I have, but really? I can't explain it. Yeah. Really? So you've you've felt over the course of however many years since you've heard this, and as you've put it into practice. That your financial energy has increased, gone up. I don't know. I don't know. I maybe I don't know. Maybe stayed the same. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I, I don't mean to be time, laughing. Like you know. No, like, I, you should laugh. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny. Okay. Interesting. But it's there's something to it, I, and it's you can't really put your finger on it. So those are two things I've well, learned from her. If it's on the toilet, I don't know if I want to put my finger on it. You know, one time I there's a lot of weird toilet things happening in the world because I was this on a really gone a different direction. No, I, I, <laughs> that's what I love about it. The show is that one time I was on a plane. I think it was like the first time that I flew to Chicago. Actually, first time <laughs> that I came here, I was on a plane. I was sitting next to this guy and he was a Muslim. Okay, and he was telling me you know, I was talking to him. I didn't had never really met someone who practiced that at the time. And this was, you know, pre nine 11. So it was okay to like Muslims. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, it's okay to like them now. I'm just saying that there are, there's a lot of weirdness going on because of the, we all know it. So, but he said that he does prayers. He says prayers before he goes to the bathroom because there are demons that live in the toilet. Wow. Yeah. I've not heard that one. That sounds pretty unique to me. I wonder if, yeah, that's a, if that's a personal take that he's got. I felt like it was more of like a like a widely practiced Muslim thing. Wow. Like they just believe that. Because if you think about it, the toilet hasn't been around that long. No, definitely not. So maybe they just had like these weird things with porcelain. <laughs> maybe so. I don't know. It could be. But anyway, yeah, that was a side track moment of toilet talk. You're welcome. Hey. So what what about you from from the extended family that you've learned? Like, do we want to stay on mom's side? Is that what we want to stay or just in general? Yeah, I, go, go wherever I, you want. I just went into toilet talk. Yeah, that's true. Um. Because I will say, like, I, when I think about mom's side of the family, I actually would struggle to come up with positive lessons that I've learned. Oh boy, there's probably some negative ones. Like, oh, well, I, I, hey, so that's part of what you've learned, though. We oh no, to, I know. I we know. don't have to avoid negativity on this show. No, no, I hear you. I mean, yeah. So, like, like really, like I would say, if it's like to stay with the positive, though, like. I would probably have to go with our grandfather who's, you know, long since passed. And again, it's a very, you know, small window of time that, that I spent with him as well. But when we moved out to Colorado, we lived with them for a little bit. And, and I remember he, you know, kind of took us in, like he had taken in mom on a number of occasions throughout kind of her adult life, at least twice, I guess. And I always thought that that was that was like a 
a struggle for the family, but it was one of those things where he kind of stepped up and went, no, this is what we're going to do, kind of against the, the grain. And I always respected him for that. I guess a lot, a lot of, a lot of what I'm saying, like, kind of comes back to, you know, family values and commitment and that sort of stuff. But like on the negative side, like I would say, you know, I've learned not to be cold because <laughs> they're just, they're just kind of, you know, they're just not that interested. Like, I think it would be safe to say, I mean, would be interested to hear your take, but it'd be safe to say, like, they weren't all that involved and or interested in our lives growing up. Uh, it's hard to say from from that perspective of being that young, and I don't know how I don't know how. Well, we didn't see him very involved, often, right? We didn't. No, see I mean they came down one summer. Everyone, yeah, uh, Grandma, Grandpa, Tim, yeah. Sharon, all came down one summer. We went up to once. see them in Baltimore when they lived in Baltimore. Grandma and Grandpa. Yeah, we went to Denver once. I remember I got bit in the face by his cat i remember that? that too yeah i think that might have something to do with me not liking cats by the way it did for me for a long time i hated them and then i was like yeah you gotta let these things go you gotta forgive yeah but i think you know you're right they they did they weren't involved as much you know so and they didn't the time that i spent with them as an adult, there is a lot of, we've mentioned this before, of a bit of like turning the knife in a person's back a yeah. bit. They kind of needle at each other and there's always these infighting and doesn't seem like there's a lot of love. Maybe mom is the most sensitive of them all. Definitely. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, I, I can't remember the last time that like I had interaction with. Well, that's them. something you've chosen, right? Ah, man, that's a good question. I mean, I guess to some degree, yeah. You know, to some degree, I've chosen to not make it a priority to like pursue them because I think that's what it would have to be. It'd have to be a pursuit, like, because it's, there's no pursuit on their end for sure. So they could say the same thing about me. There's no pursuit on my end. But I, but I feel like, I don't know. It, it, it never, it never kind of, it never was easy. It never clicked. You know, I was never in the same place as them uh, besides the six months that we lived in Colorado. But, you know, like so what we we're describing when we would go to extended family on our dad's side, that, that just wasn't there, you know, on their side. Definitely. I think you may may have made a great choice there <laughs> Because I have over the years been more, as you say, spent more time with them, and it like a lot of times it doesn't end well. Like I don't know if we talked about like the time we went, we went there for Christmas in Denver. Like, no, we we have. I think that'd be a great thing to talk about. Yeah, because <laughs> you have a whole, you've got a whole like like historical chapter in the book with them that I don't have. Like going back to, you know, going back years and years, right? Like when you left Texas. Yeah. I worked for Uncle Tim for a summer, basically, and that didn't end well. Um, Why didn't that end well? I was, so I was working for him, and Uncle Tim's a difficult guy, and he was not very nice to anyone who worked for him, including me. 
Like he would he would verbally berate you in front of people. Like any employee. And, and like call you a dumbass and a, and like a, just call you all kinds of things in front of people. So so like maybe it's important to give a little bit of context. Like he's a business owner. Mm-hmm. And he is what's called an arborist, right? Which is yeah. basically someone who takes care, treats, knows a lot about trees and plants, right? Is that fair? Yeah, he knows a lot. Yeah, he's an arborist, trained, trained. been doing it for forty-five years. Right. So, so he like he, he will like if you've got a. It's uh, a tough business with a lot of tough dudes working for him. Like most of could, them are most of them are ex-cons. Because um, because you would go and like say you've got you've got a, a huge tree in your yard. And you need a limb cut or or something like that. Like he's got the equipment, he's got mm-hmm. the cherry pickers, he's got the trucks, he's got everything it takes, the chainsaws to get that stuff down to to make it better, whatever the case is. It's a lot of manual labor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he yeah, has that a, business. It's a you, rough. It's a rough and tumble world. That, and, that's, that's, and so that you, in. you walked into that. Was it because you wanted to get into that or just because you needed a change? Yeah, it was just a, on a whim. Like, okay. And so anyway, after work, some of the guys, we would all kind of like get together and drink a beer or two and like just kind of talk S about Tim. Mm-hmm. And one of the yeah, and then one of the guys was close to Tim, went to Tim. and was like, you know, your nephew's like talking oh. to S behind your back. Oh, and um, and were you doing that to like vent, or were you doing that to like fit in? No, both probably. Okay. Yeah, I was in my early twenties, so okay. yeah. And then he he didn't he didn't take kindly to that, and it ended that sort of thing. So. So did he call you out in front of the other guys? No, no, he didn't. But he did get mad and was like, you know, you don't do that to family. And I was like, you know, that's fair. Yeah, I messed up. Uh, I shouldn't have, shouldn't have done that. But did he accept that apology? No, I mean he holds it against me forever. I told you recently. I don't know if he holds it against me. I don't know if he's ever mentioned it, but I know, he's. I know that he has not not continued to talk badly towards me or about me or in front of my face. Like the last time I told you when I went down to see mom for Christmas, we called him, which is, I hate this process what mom does with her family, where she calls and puts them on speakerphone. And you have to talk to them because I don't like talking to them, especially Tim, because all he is, is just like one big joke too. And, but this time around, it was just very negative and, and Trump filled stuff. And like, he's a supporter. Yeah. He was oh, a Trumper. Wow. Didn't know that. And he was just saying things, and he was saying things to be hurtful, but like under the guise of a joke. To was, you? Yeah. Oh, no way, dude. So I just kind of like walked away, and I told mom, like, I can't do this. This is it's, literally the this past Christmas. Yeah. This is, this is recent. I mean, he was saying they were thinly veiled things. Like, oh, man, I'm like, sorry. I don't care. Stupid. But I, I mean, I got to the point where I was just like, I can't, I can't pretend to be this guy's nephew. You know what I mean? He's just a, he's just a hate-filled sack of negativity. Hmm. And I feel like maybe you saw that early on, and that's why you've kind of kept your distance. 
I think you give me too much credit. I mean, I, I, I really think that, uh, like it was, it was matters of circumstance for one that, you know, again, when I went to university and kind of started to have my own life and kind of started making my own way, it was shortly after that, you know, within a few years, I guess that you then went out there. And I think that's had a big effect on me, just your experience out there and then continuing to hear how he, you know, talks to mom or talks, you know, treats her and that sort of stuff. Well, well, you know, on one hand, he can be seemingly very generous towards mom and maybe flying her out there, you know, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, he's given her money. Right, right. Like, I I knew that. I think that's the way he pretends to be a good human being is to give people money. Okay. And maybe that is being a good human being. I don't know. But like, he can be a good human being towards me if he wants, because <laughs> that's never happened. I don't want any of his money. <laughs> well, fair play. Yeah, he can keep it. Right. But anyway, so I think I think just through talking to you, talking to mom, it's just kind of made sense. To be like, okay, well, you know, I'm probably I'm probably not gonna, you know, have a lot of issue to kind of talk to him. And there was the occasional, like you said. Christmas where you're talking on the phone and there's a bit of a catch up kind of a thing. But, um, no, I, I mean, honestly, Josh, I think it's just been like kind of, it's really sounds bad, but almost like out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. You know? Well, they, they've had their issues too with you. They probably never told you to oh, your wow. face, but they tell mom things. I what know that. I think, Uncle, I think it was more Uncle Tim. I don't know how long ago this was, but like they complained about like never seeing your kids and you, you know, like just sort of like feeling like, you know, I, I think they get the vibe that you don't have anything to do with them. I mean, it's not it's not a. It's not a choice. I mean, I guess they're all choices, but it's not an intentional. I want to stay away from them. It's more of a, oh, yeah, I mean, we're not very close to them, so it's not really a priority. And, uh, you know, getting four kids to Colorado and I I don't feel I didn't feel close enough to go, hey, can we come see you? We've never had those type of relationship, you know, so it would have been I would have felt probably more uncomfortable asking to go see them because it just didn't feel and he never offered either, so I don't know. It's a weird kind of bag of mixed stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's a, a weird family to try to define. But you know, I could, but I could say that I have learned something from Uncle Tim, and that? that is not to be so negative. You know, like when I told him, like when I wanted to, what I wanted to do with my life, at you know. And, Early on, and he was just like, "You don't want to do that. You know how long it, t- you know what the odds are of people like su- succeeding at that. Why don't you become a cop or like a fireman?" Wow. And I was just like, "Wow, man." Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So it's just like from a very early age, I I learned that I didn't want to be that guy. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a you bit know, of a backhanded compliment, but hey. Well, it's like you said, though, like you can learn from negative things as well. Yeah. It doesn't have to all be positive. So also, so there is a thing that I did learn from Sherry, dad's sister. I yeah. learned how to, it's I learned how to make a cocktail. 
Ooh, really? What did she teach you? So, orange juice and Kahlua. Really? Tastes, tastes like a Tootsie Roll. Shut the front door. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think so, you just – I think I think uh, once my wife hears that, she's going to get really excited. Tootsie Roll. Um, she, loves, she loves some Tootsie Rolls. Really? Oh, I hate, dude. I couldn't stand them. But she calls them Tootsie. <laughs> she calls them Tootsie Rolls. Is that, is that the Bozier City in her? I, you know, I, I I don't know. I don't you know. call it Tootsie and Bozier? They, they must be. <laughs> Bossier. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I wonder well, if people actually look up, like, where this is in, in the world. Like, if they're listening to this, do they look up, like, go on a map? Where's Bossier City? <laughs> well, I mean, some people who are listening intuitively know. So they don't have to look it up. But yeah, yeah, probably so. I mean, it's it's all in a very small little condensed area. Did you learn anything from dad's side of the family? Yeah. I mean, I think it's similar to what, what we've mentioned already. Like, I feel like most people on dad's side of the family were just very friendly and very loving and very accepting. So there's just a sense of acceptance. I think, you know, you mentioned Sherry. Yeah, I think one of the things I learned about Sherry was very early on knowing that she uh, was homosexual of just kind of recognizing that you know, growing up in the South, you, 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 there's a lot of stereotypes that are stereotypes for a reason. And that would probably be one of them as well is that you would you would think it's weird and you would shun it and you would, you know, think think those people aren't, you know. I don't know, worthy of being loved. But that's the thing. Sherry was very, very different. But she put a face, you know, to that whole world in some sense for me. And I go back and I go, yeah, I mean, she was a person that struggled and, um, you know, had had some really interesting quirks. But she was she was my aunt. She was my family. Like I, I always I always just got along really well with Sherry. Felt like she was more of a peer in some ways than an actual like older aunt. And so I just, I think what I learned from her is just, I don't know, just acceptance in general and seeing people for, for who they are. Yeah. I think that in hindsight, you could look at it like that for her because I don't know. I don't know though. I mean, it, like we've talked about it, like no one ever really talked about it. So, um, yeah, but I don't know if we've learned all that much. From, you know, we talked we talked about something with Dad about like what is it to be a man in the modern world and all that. And I don't know if we actually learned how to be a man from Dad. But I think there's um, pieces. Like I think there's little pieces here and there. And again, I think it goes back and forth from you know taking taking negative traits and reversing them and kind of learning that way. But, yeah. but but like I think the idea of being in touch with your emotions, uh, the idea of of not being afraid of physical affection, like to me, I think that is that should be included in what we define as masculinity, because you're secure enough in yourself that you don't have to fall into stereotypes. I also throughout my life have uh, <clears throat> thought a lot about where I'm from and where I grew up, the time and 
place specifically, you know, Louisiana and the eighties. And I don't like, I've struggled with like, what, what have I learned from that place? You know, what have I taken from that place? And it's always sort of like surfacey things, but it's always a struggle to define that as a home because I, you know, one of the things that I don't know if it was William Faulkner who said it, but I think it was him about this place, like the place that you're from, you, you have to sort of equally hate it and love it to sort of like understand it, you know, because there's a lot of, a lot of messed up things about Louisiana. Yeah. But there's a lot of great things. And every time I go back, I, I feel like I feel more of its, more of its grandeur than I do when I was a kid. I don't know. Like, you have to leave a place and come back to it to mm. kind of understand it. But I think it has a lot to do with our family, though. It's like mom living there for ending up. She's not from there, but ending up living there for close to 40 years. And what keeps her there? Like, that's another conundrum for me because we've talked about this. You know, she went and lived in Ohio thinking. Yeah. There would be some sort of future, whatever that was. But then yeah. eventually went back to it. And what keeps calling her back to that place, you know? I mean, don't you think it is the the acceptance, though? Like, and to some degree, that's what we're all longing for is to be known, to know and to be known. And and with that comes you know, just a sense of, you know, you want to be known for all that you are and that that conveys acceptance and it seems to me that like of all the places that she's ever lived in part because that's where she spent the most time like she has a group of people there that accept her for who she is and so in in the realest sense possible that feels more like home to her than any other place yeah i think i think there is a bit of a peacefulness there for and i feel that too sometimes when i go back to louisiana i feel that kind of it's an earthiness, I guess. Like you mm. feel closer to things there, maybe because you're almost underwater. <laughs> maybe but, so. Maybe so. <clears throat> yeah, I, it's funny because I. But I, I think know. that's one of the things. That, another thing I probably learned from mom is there are more important things, you know, and whatever those are, <clears throat> you have to find them, you know. Like sometimes we get caught up in in our careers or yeah or like any kind of thing the world's expecting you to do and yeah yeah there are more important things i guess and i think maybe she found that maybe she has trouble recognizing that but sometimes but so okay at at the risk of like uh of of making this even more personal like we, we we were talking before we started recording you know the idea behind the name of this podcast my brother's deeper um, kind of comes from that that old biblical story of Cain and Abel, where you know God's speaking to to Cain and it's like, "Where's your brother Abel?" And he's like, "Am I my brother's keeper? Like, am I responsible for my brother?" What this is it? the one thing I want to talk about this, and it was something, and when we talked about Abraham too, is just um, there was something you said about the way Sarah had reacted to God at some point, like she laughed at him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, man, some these people like like that remark from Cain of like, am I yeah. my brother's keeper is very insolent. 
It's like, yeah. oh, man, you're saying that to God and to his face. Well, you know, I mean, I, I will say this, like as somebody who, you know, has done a lot of reading and done a lot of studying, it's remarkable how many times you see that happen. Yeah. Because if you even go through, you know, the Psalms, which, you know, the majority of them tend to be written by King David. There are times in the Psalms, Josh, where David is like, I mean, he is super honest with God and he's just like, you promised me this. So why aren't you delivering this? Yeah. It This makes you look bad because you're the one. I mean, he just is going after him. And there's a certain sense of comfort for me in regards to like how I practice my faith to go, you know, God is big enough to take that. Like like there, there, you shouldn't necessarily approach him with just a sense of fear, you know, Um but yeah, so I think – so going back to like that idea of like you know who's my – am I my brother's keeper? What would you – what would you say that you have learned from me? And so, then, so this is, this is a good te- – what they call a tease because <laughs> the, our next episode is going to be um, on Cain and Abel. And nice. then you know in the future we'll do – one on which will go right into brothers, so we can talk about that when we do okay. the the brother episode. But so the next our next one will be about Cain and Abel, and I think we're not gonna like we're not trying to say like hey uh, you know one of us wanted to murder the other like that's not our that's good. I'm gonna cross that off. right. That's a great way to start a story. Is just like murder. I always yeah. feel like. I mean, that's what most of these podcasts are about anyway, is murder. Murder? Yeah. You know, like true crime podcasts. Yeah, true crime podcasts are huge. It's crazy. There's, so I think it's that sense of, uh, yeah, it's that sense of mystery and intrigue and, and, you know, what really happened kind of a thing, you know? Yeah, I think that that's how I'm going to, like, bill it. Okay. Death and murder, and maybe death we'll and- get more listeners. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, maybe, maybe we can start the rumor that one of us actually murdered the other. And so are we actually talking to the person we murdered? Oh, wow. How deep that's is a that? Whole, that, would it? Be, that would get a lot of listenership, and then I they would get pissed would. when they get, get pissed when they actually listen to it. Yeah. It, like, oh, it's yeah, no, that was, it's talking about nothing. That was a bait and switch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's a – Okay, so you're putting your transition you're, you're, you're into the next that off for the next time then. Yeah, and okay. we'll talk more about it'll be more in the lines of that episode of Abraham where we just kind of dissect that story and then transition into what you know the brother thing. So because yeah. it's only fair that we could we you know turn the lens on ourselves. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. So okay, d- then just kind of not not to belabor the point. But kind of continuing in this vein of, you know, other family members and that sort of stuff. Would you say that there is anyone in our family um, that you would have kind of an unsettling relationship with now? Or do you feel like you're kind of clean and clear? Like, is there anyone in your family, in our family, that you'd be like, yeah, I'm not planning to or want to ever talk to them again because of X, Y, or Z? I think I mentioned – Kind of mentioned that about Uncle Tim. I mean, I'm not yeah, planning, I'm yeah, not planning on like writing them off, but I right. don't, 
I don't have any intention of talking to him. Okay. I just and can't deal with the the negativity, man. And have you have you mentioned that to mom? Like, does she I mentioned to her right away because I walked away from the the phone call. Right. I was like, I can't do this anymore, and she got really upset. She did. Yeah, she got upset, and I'm like, why? And later on, I'm, I said, why are you getting upset? You hate him too. No, she doesn't hate him, but um, she has her own like picadillos with him. So and is always complaining about him. But then she'll get on the phone with him and everything's all right. But at that time, I was like, and after she got off the phone, I, just, I was honest with her. I was like, I can't deal with it. I can't deal with the negativity. Mm-hmm. Can't deal with the veiled shots. Um, it's not like a kind of a family vibe I want to be a part of. Definitely. Yeah. And I don't think he particularly cares either. Well, I think that's just it. I mean, going back to even, you know, my relationship or lack thereof with him, I've never gotten a sense that like, you know, it's a priority. And I, I, you know, I, I don't take that personally. Like, that's kind of what we were talking about before. Like, that's not something that I'm offended by. It's just, it is what it is. And if he's okay with that, then I guess I'm okay with that. And, you know, I don't have any expectations. So, you know, it, it's, it would be frustrating to me if they in turn had frustrations or expectations on me. Cause I'm like, why, why would you have expectations of me when you've never given me anything to expect from you? So, yeah, so I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of indifferent. Yeah, again, it probably sounds horrible, but it's I'm just kind of indifferent towards that side of the family. I mean, if there yeah. were an opportunity and they were like, "Hey, man, we you're you're our only one of our only two nephews, and you've got you know we've got grand nephews and nieces, and we want to get to know them," I mean, I would totally like be open to that. But I mean, I literally never hear from them, so. Yeah, I think it's weird that they – I mean there is a way to contact you. Mom has your phone number. Well, so, and that's just it. I've asked for theirs, and, I, and I've and i literally – I have over the years, whether it's through email or through text or whatever, like sent them things. I've never heard from Tim, and I think, I think once or twice from Sharon, we've maybe had like a very quick back and forth, and that's it. It never goes anywhere from there. So it's not like there's there's a real – I don't get that there's a sense of like they're chomping at the bit to like have this relationship, you know? Well, I, yeah, I hear from Aunt Sharon quite a bit. Like we have each other's numbers, and she will text me on oh, that's holidays. Nice. That's nice. I'm not, I'm not the best at getting back to her, but that's – Something I need to work on, but yeah, I guess it's good. But yeah, I think that I have come to the this point where I just like that's just that the way that family's built. And I, and yeah, the one thing that I've I've talked to mom about that, and that and it's very it weighs heavily on her. She's like she doesn't like that it's that way. Yeah, she wants everybody to be close and together, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Which I get, but it was never that way. So, hey, real quick, yeah, this might be this is kind of a random thing to bring up, but like when you mentioned this being an addendum, 
mm-hmm. I'd forgotten to tell you that um, I had gotten a message from one of our friends, Kenyon. We had mentioned her yeah. last time. Like more? You got more messages? There was, yeah. She she actually said there's there's some answers that I've got for you from your latest podcast. So okay. when we were talking about sure. when we were doing Father Part Two, um, one of the things that she says is when your dad had his second brain operation. So I don't know if I if I fully remember. I know we talked about it, but like just the fact that he had more than one. When your dad had the second brain operation, the doctor didn't want to do it. Mm. Okay. Wow. Yep. So the doctor pulled Kenyon outside and told her told her that and then she told the doctor it wasn't our decision it's rick's decision to make so he was advising against it she said your dad had a great attitude and wanted to go through with it he did have a couple of requests for his funeral he wanted the bagpipes and that was not easy to find and he wanted to have a party yeah. so i thought that's thought was kind of cool and then she did mention too that you know we were we weren't quite sure um, about the relationship with the church and how how the church got involved, she said Edwina got involved in the choir at the church, and that's that was kind of how that oh. relationship formed. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's, and then at cool. the and then at the memorial service, the f- the funeral director, the guy who was was doing the funeral, gave Kenyon the box with Dad's ashes. Oh wow. She said it kind of freaked me out, but I took it. I took him out for one last beer before going to the wake. <laughs> oh wow, that's cool. <laughs> Isn't that that's crazy? That's a nice story. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good story. Yeah, I thought that was a neat yeah. way to kind of end it. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. That's way to go, Kenyon. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, thank you for we, doing that. We appreciate you. Yes, very much so. Do you remember remember that dog she had, Jezebel? Heck yeah. With that wiry black hair. <laughs> I do remember. Yeah. Just love dad. That love dog loved dad. dad so much. Yes. Yeah, they were very much of a schnauzer type of family, weren't they? But Jezebel was like bigger, like a bigger kind of muddy. She was kind of a mutt dog. Was she? Yeah. She, she wasn't, wasn't a schnauzer? schnauzer? She might have been part, but she was like a bigger kind of bigger than the schnauzers that dad and when I had. Well, Kenyon, if you're listening, let us know exactly. What kind of dog was Jezebel? I guarantee it was a mutt. Okay, well, she probably didn't know. I don't think they had the DNA test back then. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. That you can do now with yeah. dogs no. and people. Definitely. Yeah. So that's a really good ending. Thank you uh, again, Kenyon. We appreciate that. Any kind of information like that is very, very good to hear. Uh, so next time we will do another Bible story. <laughs> we'll be back in I'm Sunday not, school. Just so the listeners know, I'm not forcing this. Like this was your idea, right? Like this is well, it's I connected. feel like we we had a really good discussion about Abraham. I think and so I too. I felt like like we should pepper in part of what we talk about. We should do these things because the the point of the podcast is to get different perspectives exactly on things. And we, you should, we'll both do our research. That you, me cool. more so than you, cause you, you, you have a background in this a little bit, but we thank you guys for listening. 
Do you have any last words? You know, I don't – I mean every time you do that, I'm like, should I develop like a sign-off? Like is there something that I need to like just say every single time? I, I, I don't. I just say thanks everybody for listening. Pass it along. Share it on your social media platforms. Tell people about it. This is something that Josh and I really enjoy doing. It started, you know, as kind of a, as Josh has mentioned, a therapy, bit of a therapy session and comparing notes uh, for the two of us. And it was a good way for us just to keep connected during the lockdown as well. Um, but it's really become something that we've enjoyed. We've heard from people who also enjoy it. And so, you know, we just want to kind of keep talking and, and hopefully keep encouraging people to do their own self reflection um, and have their own conversations about. Um, how life has unfolded uh, for you as well. So thanks for listening and, and just share it with, with your friends and family. I feel like you, you nailed it. Like you should just say that every time at the end. <laughs> I don't know if you can remember all that. But I'm going to have to go back, pretty... play it and then write it down yeah. and then I can read it. Yeah. But about sharing the podcast, we are on Spotify. We're on Apple podcasts. We're also on Google. We're also on Amazon. What, like, um, so, I'm going to sound really stupid here. What do you mean we're on Google? Like you can Google it and find it? Google. No, Google. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> what would is, work what too. I, that's what I figured. Yeah. Google has their own like uh, audio arm where they oh, you okay. listen to podcasts on like Google. Didn't even and know that. So, so does Amazon. Um, Beautiful. So we're on the, you know, if you can't find it, it's your fault. Um, <laughs> okay, right. There's no excuse. Yeah. yeah. So, absolutely. yeah. So we thank you guys. We appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Bye bye.